And I was just focusing on like how things can kind of overwhelm you and engulf you in that environment. So with the shelf image, I was having all the products kind of blur in and out of each other and the colors being really intense because I view color intensely. So I, I feel like I see it on like a notched up level sometimes. And you're just constantly surrounded by this. You're constantly taking in this information. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 247th episode, I'm excited to be joined by Ashley Morton, who spoke with me from Sellersburg, Indiana, where she currently lives. We talk about where she was born in Louisville, Kentucky, working in Jeffersonville, and she recently earned her BFA degree in painting and drawing at Indiana University Southeast in 2020, and was one of our winners for the 2020 Studio Break student competition selected by our juror last year, Tim Kowalczyk, so we're very excited to feature her work. Like a lot of artists, Ashley was interested in anime and illustration growing up and was really supported by her family, particularly her father, who was also gifted at drawing. And we talk a little bit about that in the early work, especially that illustrative style, which evolved into realism through painting. And her interest in painting, we talk about oil paint and mixed media works, watercolor, gouache, and how all of these things come together, especially in her thesis exhibition, which was based off of a series of photographs and sketches compiled from her day-to-day job working at a grocery store and how alienating that can feel, how isolated they are, especially the compositions are devoid of people, but packed with color and products and interesting compositions, perspective, and we talk all about it coming up so stay tuned for that i do want to direct you to ashley's website ashleymortonstudio.com and please make sure to follow her on instagram that's ashes in the storm if you're new to the podcast head on over to studiobreak.com and check out some of the episodes that we have there again each of our episodes have images of the artist's artwork links to the websites and you can listen right there in the default player or you can subscribe to the podcast so do that you can also find us on social media so be sure and like our facebook page you can find studio break on twitter at studio break and of course be sure to follow on instagram at studio underscore break if you want to follow me that's at david linaway and with those announcements out of the way let's go to this interview with ashley talking all about her work and her evolution as an artist so stay tuned Welcome to Studio Break. Ashley Morton, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am not bad. I'm caffeinated to, uh, I guess, deal with this impending snow doom and cold weather, but it's exciting to have you on. You were one of our student BFA winners for our 2020 competition selected by Tim Kowalczyk. So, you know, always exciting to learn about new artists and see new work. So thanks so much for, for doing this and for submitting. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be on here. Hearing all the other artists uh, that you interview, it's kind of still a little shocking for me. No, it's awesome. You know, like I was just saying a little earlier, I, you know, look very fondly at my BFA and MFA experiences and love talking to other artists. So it's so great to to learn about your work and looking forward to, to talking all about it. And I guess, you know, considering that, I think the first thing that I'd love to know you know, tell us a little about where you grew up and, and your background. You know, we can obviously shoot all over the place from there, but where are you from? I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, but I was raised in Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is right across 
the river. It's like a five minute drive. And that's pretty much where I've lived most of my life. I currently live in Sellersburg, which is 20 minutes away. And I work in Jeffersonville still. So still pretty much at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The areas I think referred to as Kentuckiana because it's kind <laughs> of like a big amalgamation of how people live here. They go back and forth constantly. When I was little, I wouldn't even realize we were in Kentucky half the time. Like, <laughs> it's just all those weird things. Sure. Well, and I'm curious, you know, like as, as somebody growing up in, you know, obviously pursuing art at some point, was that something that was interesting to you growing up? Did you make a lot of stuff and, and do a lot of things creatively? Yeah. My dad's an artist. He was very into comic books and like drawing and that kind of style when mm-hmm. he was growing up. So when he noticed that I was interested in art as a little kid, he kind of pushed me in that direction a lot. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, I really enjoyed like book illustrations and looking at that. I watched cartoons and like Disney movies and Ghibli movies. And I was very into animation as itself too. So as a kid, I did a lot of looking at that and trying to recreate scenes from movies while drawing it out. We didn't have like a whole lot as a kid. We had toys, of course, but like a crazy amount. So Mm -hmm. there's something that I wanted. I kind of made it myself. I was really obsessed with fast food for a while. So (laughs) I made all these like paper cutouts of burgers and fries and had the like little boxes that I made myself to like play fast food for a while. So I created a lot as a kid. It's so funny that you, you know, talk about that idea of making something when, when you don't have it. And I say it because there's so many artists that talk about that. It's this weird phenomenon that I think so many people can kind of experience. I mean, I used to maybe like some others be obsessed with like sword fighting and making like wooden swords out of doll rods and stuff like that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to, you know, think about how I think a lot of artists are very just creative just to their own worlds as they're growing up and, and kind of learning about things. And it sounds like you had a real passion for that. Was that something that kind of like, you know, found its way, like in terms of like studies and and school, did you take a lot of art classes? In elementary school, we had just like the basic one where we'd have one. I think we'd go once a week in middle school. I actually didn't take any art courses because I was in choir. Oh, So you, they didn't like let you double up on it. It's like you had one art course and it was either choir band or art. So because I decided to do choir, I didn't get to do it. But that's when I actually started drawing like a lot in a sketchbook and looking at how to draw manga. And like I was really into anime at the time. I drew my own comics a lot at that point. And then eventually I decided when I was choosing my classes for high school, I was like, I hate choir. I'm not doing (laughs) this anymore. And I decided to start taking art classes then. And so was that refreshing or was that something that was challenging? I I say it because I think of some of the art high school, like design classes, particularly where I was like a magazine cover. Well, and again, I say that now I feel very old. I'm like, now it would be like a web, you know, design or something like that, you know? So our school wasn't like tech savvy, but we had a really good, like fine program. I would say almost, I was, I would loved all of it. I Loved learning about it and getting my hands on any material, except for 3D art. I was about that. (laughs) But I took intro to 2D and 3D. And then I took, I think, drawing one through four throughout the years. I normally had like two art classes every semester or something like that. And eventually applied for AP art. 
and got in and then took that my senior year. But my teacher who I had for many, many years, she left at the time. So they, the only other teacher they had to teach then was the 3D uh, ceramics teacher. So it switched from 2D art to 3D art, which I essentially had to learn everything in one year. And it was an experience <laughs> to say the least. I would never want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be something about that. That's, that's at least exciting, but you know, it sounds at the very least, like there were a lot of people that were kind of helping you to kind of go down this path or maybe kind of encourage you to go down this path. Was that something where you like kind of had like a, destination in mind or in terms of like doing illustration then in terms of like you know like a career or something or so at the time I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do my art teacher was she really pushed me she's like you need to go to school for this you need to do it so at the time I think I decided in mind to be an animator Mm -hmm. and then when I tried animating in school that's when I realized that was not the path for me at all (laughs) it's very involved and I am not anywhere near patient enough for it. (laughs) But I did look at Ball State for a while because I knew they had a course in it and I knew I needed to stay in Indiana for like funding purposes. Sure. Eventually didn't go because I couldn't afford it. So I went to ICE Southeast in New Albany, which was probably the best thing that I could have ever done because it has a really great program. So like prior to that experience, then was it something where you were mostly kind of exposed, like you were saying earlier to like manga and anime and things like that? Had you seen a lot of like other like fine art and, and, you know, things that were kind of pulling you that way in terms of, you know, things that maybe your teachers were showing you in high school or. Oh yeah. My uh, high school teacher, she was actually working on her MFA at the time. So I Mm. went to her show. And she was a ceramicist. She did more sculpture, actually. Mm -hmm. But I was fascinated with it. And she could draw. She could do everything. It was. And she was also my boss at the time. At like another. I worked at a ceramic studio with her. We also did a lot of public art. She had built this public arts group. So we did a lot of that, too. So I got exposed to a lot. My dad also pushed me to learn foundational drawing. Like he. I remember one summer wanted me to draw eggs. Mm -hmm. all the time. (laughs) I hated it. I did not want to do it. He taught me how to draw like a face, like in the actual proportions of it. So I was exposed to a lot of things. I just gravitated towards animation because that was just what I was exposed to a lot. Mm -hmm. But I did have a lot of exposure to the fine arts world as well. Most of our classes were based more in fine arts foundation level, like drawing, painting. I did charcoal drawings and a lot of watercolor and we did some oil painting a little bit in high school too. Well, and you know, to kind of get back to that experience, you're starting at a university. I mean, it must've been pretty exciting to kind of, you know, especially kind of be around a lot of like-minded individuals. I would hope that, you know, like are, you know, going for it and they're excited about, you know, the same things you are, or at least some variation of that. At first I, I took foundations and I was like, man, I already know all this stuff. And I, had a little bit, not like outwardly ego, but I was just like, why am I doing this again? Right. But uh, I wasn't. And then I got like my first grade back on my color wheel and it was a C and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really uh, interesting time for me because it really like 
humbled me, I think, a little bit Mm -hmm. because you went from like being the top dog at high school to then being like the babies at your university. But I did really enjoy it and like all the different things we got to work with. Finally, when I got to take painting one, that like changed my life because I thought I was going to be drawing major. And then I took painting and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I, I want to be both. Like, I can't pick. Was there anything like particular that stands out to you, like a, a project or something? Because I'm especially interested. I mean, you have a real nice ability to describe things representationally. So I wasn't sure, you know, if that's like a still life that you did that you're like, wow, this is so, you know, awesome or a portrait or any, anything that sticks out to you, like those early experiences. See, I did not enjoy still lives at all, which <laughs> is ironic now looking back at what I mainly work on. Mm-hmm. I think what I liked about it the most was just like the ability to, I feel like I can build up paint in a better way than I can draw sometimes. Mm -hmm. When I drew, it looked still styled by my hand. It couldn't get super realistic, but with paint, I would put oil paint on there and you just keep going at it. And eventually it looks very realistic, which is at the time what I was pushing myself towards, I think. I did a series of like mouth paintings. Mm-hmm. That's when I really like found that I enjoyed painting a lot because I could just fixate on this one spot and then all of a sudden it magically like happened. You know, you keep adding paint and mixing it around and then finally it like appears and it's the thing you wanted it to be, which I really enjoyed. And I like couldn't get that with graphite or charcoal in the same way. I It just didn't feel the same. Or I guess I was too stylized with the way I drew already that it just, I couldn't switch it after trying to draw a certain way all these years. And to kind of clarify too, are these like the series like you have on your website where it's like a tongue, a, like an open mouth and like a hand? Is that like around the same amount of time or am I? No, it was about 2016, 2017. So I think I was in painting one and two at the time. Okay. There was a little bit of an overlap because I started at one at the end of the semester and then the following semester, I didn't like kind of expand on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Shortly after I got into the BFA program or right before, I think I used them for my for my application, for my portfolio application for it. So... Yeah, that that was kind of the series that like really made me like want to be a painter and a drawer. It's incredible detail, you know. I mean, I think that's the thing that I respond to it, you know, and I start thinking about oddly enough the relationship between that and, you know, products and things like that, but the the level of detail in it, you know, the wrinkles in the hand, for example, for the for the hand painting. It's just beautiful and I guess before I keep going on too much on that, that's uh, ashleymortonstudio.com and Definitely go check it out to see some of the works that we're talking about. So you apply, you get into the BFA, you know, did you have a, a studio space, I'm curious, or a place to work? It's very weird because I got, I applied, got accepted, and then I took a year off of school mm-hmm. for mostly financial reasons, but then I was also having burnout. I had my first BFA critique and it kind of I don't know. It shook me a little bit because I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. 
And our critiques are set up more like MFA critiques, where you're with a group of faculty, all the faculty and all the students were split up. And so it's smaller groups, but anybody can walk in. So you have professors you don't even know in there wow, and also other students. So it's like very mixed. You're getting feedback from anybody in the program. The conversation went a thousand different ways. And I was just like, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> Uh, wow. It's very intimidating at first, to say the least, because you're just like, I don't know what I'm walking into. And you know, people who have cried after them, and you've heard people complain, and I ha- had like heard other people. So I was like, went into it with like this energy of nervousness, which I think didn't help me. But uh, at the time, I was doing a lot of drawings and paintings that were very separate. I didn't have a clear idea or body of work yet because, I mean, I was still new to the program and everything. I think that also didn't help when I went to go get this work looked at and people are seeing it all together and they're like, oh, this means this. And it's like, no, that doesn't mean that at all. (laughs) Well, it's so unique. I've never heard of that, honestly. You know, I, I know that for myself, I got volunteered to show work to like somebody that I think was applying for a job and I had a bad critique and I remember talking to one of my professors kind of complaining and he's like, give me a really hard time. And I was like, Oh, Oh no, I'm sorry. You know, like, but a whole room of people that maybe aren't familiar with you at all. That's really intimidating. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So I could understand that, but I, I would imagine then after this maybe time off, you had some, some time to think about some things and reset a little bit. Yeah, I didn't do school at all. I worked most of the time. And at the time, I think I was working at Kohl's and I really hated it. So it kind of gave me a passion to like go back to school and like really get serious about what I was doing. I think I was really sheltered with the way I was trying to make art. I didn't want to like dig a little deeper and like expose myself too much. Mm -hmm. So I went back with kind of the idea that I needed to open up more. My professor then told me to apply for a studio because we don't have a whole lot of studio space in the school. So I applied for one and I got it. So then I did have a small studio. Uh, It was this room in the basement. I think there's like 12 studios in there. So you're with a bunch of different BFA students and I had it for two years, the last two years I was there. I think that really helped me a lot too, because then I wasn't in separate rooms working on separate pieces. It was all together and I could like think and let one influence the other and kind of go back and forth, which was a big takeaway I had from that critique too, was joining both ideas and actual in the physical aspect of my work, joining both mediums. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine just being around all these other people, very literally, it seems like you always get stuck in like a weird space, like it's a basement or like, (laughs) you know, some room where there's like curtains up dividing studios and everybody's, you know, you have to kind of negotiate music and stuff like that. But I would imagine even just being around, you know, people in in that vicinity, you can kind of like, you know, encourage each other and, you know, have your informal discussions and kind of really get into it. Oh yeah. I didn't realize how much it informed my studio practice as it does now, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I would be painting and some other students would be in there. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And we talk and we're we're just having conversation and we could actively talk about what's not working, what is working. And just really, it helped all of us to kind of push ourselves to keep going further. And it was great because we had not just painters, we had drawers in there. I think one was like a digital artist, a couple printmakers. 
one or two ceramic students. So it was a good mixed environment where you just really got a lot of different feedback from a lot of people with different styles and stuff. That's really nice because a lot of times they seem to kind of like scatter everybody, you know, there's a ceramicist, but you never see them, <laughs> you know, photographers yeah. and stuff like that, that you never run into. So I'm curious, was there like a particular artist or artists that you were looking at and kind of getting inspired by too, in terms of like trying to start building meaning into your work and, and kind of pushing it from, you know, where you were at before this? So it kind of depended on what I was working on, the different artists looking at. In general, I really love looking at impressionists, all of them, all Mm -hmm. the impressionists. I just gravitate to that style of painting. I think it's the way they use color as light. That was a big influence for how I like add color into my work and the color palettes I use. Depending on the drawing or painting I was working on, there was a couple different artists I looked at, I think was Lucy Sparrow. I really enjoy her installations a lot. Mm -hmm. I just think it's crazy how she uses felt and paint. And I was like, that's a different way to make art Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. Colleen Smith does really beautiful illustration she doesn't do a whole lot of them but there are some that she did a book cover specifically that I was really into there was Richard Estes I think I was looking at for like reflection specifically so I'm very weird I just pick an artist a professor will be like hey have you seen this person and it's like one thing about their work that I kind of zoom in on Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of become an amalgamation of artists I'll kind of look at over time I'm very bad at remembering names. I just like remember the image more than that. Yeah. And I get the idea of like kind of becoming obsessed by like one particular artist and kind of, you know, seeing what they're doing about, you know, this one kind of area, you know, you start kind of noticing it in all their work. And then, you know, I think that's kind of a thing that artists kind of gravitate towards. Maybe there's not obsessive artists. I, <laughs> I just have a tendency to do that, you know, like, you know, just like, especially now with like Instagram, you're just going to scroll through like five years of somebody's timeline, looking at their painting, be like, I didn't know who this person was. Yeah. Super kind of funny how that works, you know, and we were kind of talking a little bit earlier about, you know, some of the, like the series of like the, the mouth, the tongue, the hand, and, and some of those kind of almost like portraiture almost in some weird ways, or I'm probably not using that right for actual portrait artists. They're like upset, <laughs> but how did you, how did you wind up kind of bridging towards, you know, some of the, the work that you would later go on to do, which I'm assuming is like, you know, part of your thesis. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Were, were you, you were working like as a, as a grocer at the same time or? Yeah. So I started my job in 2018. So it was what I've been doing for a couple months before I started school again. Mm-hmm. It's where I spent most of my time outside of school. I think it was one piece in particular for our drawing courses, even though they were kind of open, they were multi-level. So we kind of had assignments, but not really. We just made them work towards our portfolio. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the assignment was, but I ended up doing uh, the piece that is the register piece mm-hmm. that showed kind of my hand moving through the process. And I was really, I think, focusing on like time and the process of things. I got really sucked into process and objects, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that piece kind of kicked off where my mind kind of went after that. I know I was really focusing on anxiety at the start of that semester, too. So I am a person who likes to distract myself through doing really mundane tasks. So 
at the time work was like kind of a release for me. Mm-hmm. That's when I started doing that. And then I think in my painting courses, I was doing the food paintings that were kind of showing anxiety through like how I was interacting with food at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why they were like those really weird colors because I couldn't eat a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like thrown off by a lot of things. So I think that's where I started focusing shifting my gaze to other things that's a piece that really stands out to me the the register piece you know like you're talking about there's like this progression of time you see this hand gesture kind of moving across to the you're ringing up and there's all these products and it's just really interesting because i think too it it would imagine that it would kind of like put you in different directions into thinking about how you could explore you know this idea or this you know space that, that you spend so much time in and did that like come through like observations of, you know, like weird situations or? So I started taking a lot of photos at work all the time, just of everything. I would record myself a lot mm-hmm. if I was somewhere where I could hide the camera and record myself. I didn't have like good references for certain positions. So I'd have to go back and mm-hmm. retake the image and sort of thing. That's kind of what kind of kept me pushing in that direction because I just started taking hundreds of images every time I was at work of anything and everything. So then when I would be sketching in my sketchbook, I could like, maybe this will make a good drawing. And I just kept kind of working with it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what pushed me to keep exploring the environment. I think the next pieces that came after that was the shelf image, Mm -hmm. if I'm right, which is a really massive drawing. I don't, I don't know how I did these (laughs) now in hindsight, (laughs) One of our requirements is we have to have a solo show and this space called the Space Lab, which is just like a little student area for showing work that's separate from our official gallery. So as a BFA student, you have to have at least one solo show before you graduate. Mm -hmm. And since I didn't have a whole lot of time, I had to do a show like the next semester. I think that spring semester I had to do it. So I just started like really gearing up for this work environment. I remember I bought some LED lights from Aldi Mm -hmm. to kind of match the lighting of a grocery store. And I was like, this will either be really tacky or really cool. I don't know which yet. And then when people came in, they're like, those are great. Where'd you get those? I was like, thank God it was a good idea. It makes me feel good because I had made that observation too. When I saw the install shots, I'm like, it kind of reminds me of like the, you know, the same fluorescent kind of lighting that you would have in like grocery store aisles. So yeah, I did the shelf image and then I know on my website, I think I have the image of the eggs that were like supposed to mirror each other on the wall. I was just focusing on like how things can kind of overwhelm you and engulf you in that environment. So with the shelf image, I was having all the products kind of blur in and out of each other and the colors being really intense because I view color intensely. So I I feel like I see it on like a notched up level sometimes. And you're just constantly surrounded by this. You're constantly taking in this information. So I wanted to kind of reflect that in the drawing. And then the egg one, I think it's when we get our palette of dairy products, that's like standing over you. So I wanted to like kind of reflect that to people who are a little bit taller than me. So I made it like massive. And I really was focusing on perspective a lot Mm -hmm. and trying to get that like encapsulating feeling of things kind of engulfing you in. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is interesting, even in terms of like your, your statement and the way that you kind of write about your work is that like almost sense of like anxiety or 
almost like claustrophobia that you kind of get. I don't even know if that's the right word, um, <laughs> but like, you know, you're, you're in grocery aisles and sometimes they're just so high. So I love that format of it being, you know, so tall because mm-hmm. it kind of oddly enough kind of reinforces some of those ideas, you know, especially like I could imagine in a weird way, you know, you think about if you're really tired and you had a long day and, you know, maybe these colors are starting to kind of become exaggerated, but like that, that format is just so interesting to think about relative to like a, a grocery store aisle. And that also kind of gets, you know, something that's expanded as well. You have these really long horizontal orientation works as well. Once I started making like really long things, I was like, I really enjoy this. So I kind of tried to go the other way after that. See, uh, how I like playing with that proportions, I guess, Mm -hmm. which I think I did the milk painting during that same time too for that show as well. So I was kind of trying to mimic the play with the size there. And I think I also took a panoramic image, which that's also the register image was a panoramic too for my Mm -hmm. reference photo. So those things kind of influenced how long they got as well. It's just a weird thing if you think about it, like grocery stores. You know, there was um, an artist that I recently interviewed, uh, Doug Russell, who was talking about being out of the country for an extended period of time and then coming back and just seeing how different the grocery stores were. But you think about that, you know, super horizontal, you know, like you can literally fill up your field of vision with this perspectival series of, you know, milk going off into the distance or, you know, cereal, whatever it is. But that's just really effective. It's really interesting to kind of bring that back up to, you know, somebody that might actually, you know, be looking at this in the exhibition as well. To kind of get back to the uh, thesis exhibition, you know, there's also a number of pieces that are on shaped canvases. There are circular ones, and then there's also these kind of like loosely shaped ones that I think are really intriguing. So maybe talk a little bit about those. The cabbage one's really interesting. I think I did that and the loss painting at the same time, mm-hmm. which I was working on loss and painting. And the cabbages actually originated a watercolor drawing on oil paper Mm -hmm. i think my drawing professor's like look at this paper we got and i was like what's so cool about it and she's like you can paint on it with oil paint and that like changed everything for me because i could work with it more and originally the idea of the cabbages it changed so many times when i was working on it it was on a long format kind of closer to how the milk painting is actually Mm -hmm. at first and i was really trying to focus on time and like elevating it and focusing on process but it was getting lost because I didn't know what to do with the background and then I was like why do I need a background and I had recently gone to it was a show at the Kentucky Museum of Arts and Craft Mm -hmm. and they had their biennial at the time and I saw this artist Lori LaRusso she did these installations they were more like painting like how they did old school sign, mm-hmm. but they were all free. It like blew my mind. And I was like, I want to do that. And so then I got the opportunity. I just one day I hacked away the background at it. Didn't really know what I was doing. Like in hindsight, I would have better planning going forward because there's a lot of crazy things that went into just being able to hang this piece. So I cut out a lot of it and then, um, that kind of changed how the whole piece was read and it worked really well after that. So then we had to cut out a wood panel to mount the paper to, and then that's how we were able to hang it. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because it, it's really a nice presentation. It looks really slick. 
And it's one of those things too. I mean, again, we were talking earlier about, you know, how we're in this, you know, really weird time where it's really difficult to see art if you can. Mm. But again, the installation images are just really interesting just to see them kind of like a floating, you know, pile of cabbages, you know, ba- being bagged or washed. And again, it's interesting to think about this fitting in with some of the other work as well, because they all kind of seem to kind of feed each other. Yeah. So that one and then the last one, we had to do one assignment on a round wood panel. So I just did it. But I made it. I liked the way the sink kind of worked with the roundness of it. Um, And then since I knew I was going to put that in my thesis, I wanted another piece to go with it. So that's where the other sink. And at the time for my thesis, I was focusing on like merging home life with work life and how they kind of interrupt and disrupt one another. Mm -hmm. I decided to do my uh, bathroom, my house from when I'm getting ready. So they kind of sit parallel to one another of like one at work and one at home and like how you use a bathroom in different ways. So that's where that one came. And piled was also kind of influenced by I cut out the cabbage ones. I had done piled once before. It was like a different version of it. I had done like a collage background and then did it on top. But it it just wasn't the same way because I was I had to take a water media course for my last semester. Mm-hmm. So I had to do like more project based stuff. And I was like, this isn't going to work with the show. So then I decided to do the same thing where I cut it out on the oil paper and then painted on top of it and then cut out a panel to back it onto as well. I really like the interplay between the mixed media kind of watercolor paintings and then also the oil paintings and I guess to kind of further that, I mean, are they kind of processed the same way, just like different materials, you know, based off of your sketches from photos or maybe kind of talk a little about some of the processes that you use, maybe if there's anything related between the two, the the drawings and the painting. For painting, I'm not good at underpainting, like the whole process of doing like a brown sienna underpainting underneath stuff i did that for a while and it didn't work for me so that's when i just decided to start drawing underneath on a lot of stuff i realized i could get away with putting watercolor on the background and for some reason that's like my sketch phase is watercolor i think because i just interpret color and that's like the first thing i think of whenever i work on something so typically i'll do like a drawing to get like the base like structure of things down like if it's a really detailed like perspective thing of course that's the thing I work on the longest but if it's something more like the clothes or things like that I'll get the loose drawing down then I'll put down watercolor and then over that I'll do oil paint and like the cabbages is way more mixed media than the actual piled one is Mm -hmm. because that one if you get really close to it there's like gouache and there's Posca markers on it I put literally anything and everything I could on that one. But typically, yeah, I start with like a sketch and then I'll do watercolor. If it's strictly oil paint, then I'll just put like a loose, like I'll have a more watered down version of the paint that I'll put down first and then go in with it. I think I'm just quicker that way. I know for the milk painting, I think I did an acrylic base first just because it was massive. And yeah, but that's typically how I go about stuff. Sometimes it's a photo, sometimes it's just a bunch of words that become an image. If I know I have like a loose idea, I'll like sketch it out and then go take photos of it and then refine the sketch to look more 
realistic proportions wise and like perspective wise. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a chaotic uh, planner. Sometimes I, it's like I'll sit and think about something for hours and hours and hours, and then finally it'll click to me when I'm doing something completely different. Are are you singular in that you like to kind of focus on one work at a time, or are you jumping around between different works and coming back to them? And it kind of depends on the time. I mean, for thesis, I had to be doing everything at once because I just didn't have the time to sit and work with something. But in general, I like to focus in on one, and then when I get tired of it, I'll go and do the other one. And then there are times where I'll go back and forth very frequently, and then times where I won't look at one for a month. So I'm kind of chaotic in that regard. Well, and there's just times where you feel like something isn't working, and it's like easier just to move on to something else and, and come back to it when you've had some time to live with it almost, you know? Yeah. So one that I haven't talk to with you about that I'm really intrigued by is the aisle painting, which again, just has these really intense, you know, vibrant, bright colors. Maybe talk a little about that one. Yeah, that one was right before my final semester. I actually started it over the summer. And then I only worked on that for the first semester for the first like couple months, because I was just so sucked into it. I really wanted to like make this really long warp drawing and play with perspective a lot to kind of make this like sucking eerie feeling. And that was also, I think this was the very first piece that I got to use oil paper on. So I did the whole drawing and then I put layers of watercolor washes down. I think I put like a graphite wash on it too, to kind of make it a little dingy. And then I went over it and did a little bit of gouache work first. And then I did oil over it in certain areas because I wanted the floor to be like really slick and luminescent, like an actual store floor. And then I just like kept working on it because it just I just kept adding colors and like one area would fade or it, it was also me a big learning process because it was like I put a lot of gouache down in an area and then I come back and it didn't look like anything. <laughs> I was like, what happened here? So uh, it was a big learning process of just like what I could do on it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it for the most part. But I know it was one of those that I got really sucked into as well. And all the little teeny tiny details on the shelf of like the actual products. I know I was obsessing over for way too long. Um, yeah, is there a particular thing about that? I, I say that because I start thinking about this, and if I worked at a uh, food store right now, I'd probably be kind of like, oh, you know, like pancakes would be good when I get off, or what, you know, whatever. So I mean, you start well, and even now, if you go to the grocery store and you're hungry or something like that, you know, you start seeing these things. So, is there something about like any kind of like desire, or I don't know, like I get, is there anything to that in terms of like? that idea of like objects or products? I just really like how certain products look. Packaging is so interesting in the way they try to grab people's attention. And like for a person like me who really gets sucked into colors when a product is using like purple, I'm like, why? And I just like really look at stuff. And I have this thing where I like to replicate things a lot. And I, I got away from it because I realized a lot of my conversations were going to, oh, you're talking about like consumerism. And I'm like, not really. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to restrain myself 
and getting too sucked up in drawing all the little tiny details. But I, I think I just really like how things are laid out and I notice it a lot. And I mean, that's where I am a lot. So that kind of gathers my attention when I'm really bored or something. Well, and there's another piece called Where is Home? And that mm-hmm. kind of combines both of those spaces and this really long format. You know, it's it's like the grocery store turns into the home, you know? So, I mean, there's that relationship. And, you know, as you're talking about like these cycles of getting ready for work and going, you know, making work, <laughs> you know, it really seems fitting in, in terms of tying everything together. A lot of these pieces, like I probably said way too many times. Yeah, it was the big piece that I like wanted to express what my thesis was about in the clearest way I could. So I was just like, I want to merge both areas and I want to make it as immersive as I can physically. So it was probably a little too big because I just, it was really big and it was a lot of perspective that I had to work out. I remember we had to pull it into another room because I just couldn't get the shelves right. And then we had to do like, we had to make up so many different vanishing points on it it was insane just to get it to look kind of right but I I really wanted that experience of like returning into it and it's my home and my work and how I exist in both places but don't exist in both places at the same time yeah that was the big focus of that one I'm just curious I mean was any of this kind of influenced by the situation that we're in right now during the pandemic so i was working on this mostly before the pandemic happened but that piece specifically i was working on it a little before and then the pandemic happened and i had to take it home and work on it i went from working like 20 hours to working about 50 hours it was so crazy busy it was like worse than any holiday it was that crazy so i was trying to finish this while doing that So I think it shows in a lot of like where I let myself not care about things and not get so sucked into detail of just getting the whole overall image. But yeah, it's really weird now how like the pandemic happened and everybody's talking about grocery stores all of a sudden. I'm like, (laughs) wow, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. So, you know, in terms of kind of like wrapping up this experience, what's, what's been kind of going on since? After graduating I was still working a lot and then I moved out of my parents house and a lot of life happened very fast so I didn't work for a while I also didn't have a studio to work in eventually my partner and I we got a house and built my studio and then I just slowly started getting back into working on stuff so I'm working on a couple pieces right now for a show that's coming up in March, but I I will say I did take like a little bit of a hiatus (laughs) from working because I was just so exhausted and burnt out. And the few things I tried to do over the summer, I did not like at all. I think I just needed a rest. Well, I imagine, you know, going from 50 hours uh, working at the grocery store and then having to knock out a show has got to be pretty difficult, you know? Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about this exhibition coming up. So, you know, give us the particulars. It's going to either be at the very end of February or the start of March. The space that I'm having it at, uh, Hoba House in Louisville, they are currently in transition from moving from a smaller space to a larger space. So I don't know the exact particulars of the exact start date, but definitely at the beginning of March is when my show should be. And it should run for the whole month as well. 
Awesome. And I guess just to kind of think about, you know, future stuff and see processes and stuff like that is kind of the best place to to see your day to day on Instagram then? Yes. Uh, I share a lot of stories of my process. I don't post like a whole lot of images until I'm like really done with it. But I do mm-hmm. share like my me working in the studio and my stories a lot. So that is the best way to keep track of what I'm doing. It is uh, Ashes in the storm uh so it's like a-s-h-e-s-i-n-s-t-o-r-n well right on and obviously people can find the the link to this it'll be blown up on our instagram feed for sure um again it's really interesting to think about where you're at you're you're making work right after pretty much graduating which i think is pretty much a feat for anybody given the pandemic let alone you know, just for most people just take a giant chunk off, I think, afterwards. <laughs> are there any other plans kind of coming up in the future down the road? Are you thinking of going to graduate school eventually? I wanted to, and then I just realized I wasn't going to be able to get any funding for it. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I can't move in the middle of a pandemic and sure, not sure. have funding. My mindset when I applied is if I'm going to do it, I need to do it now, sort of thing, and just keep going. But now having the break, I realized. No, I, I need to like work myself into knowing how to work outside of a BFA program and know how to like push myself to work on my own. So I think it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you're in a great spot, you know, all sorts of things to think about in terms of working, you know, on new paintings, getting those Instagram uh, stories and everything out there and, and chipping away at it. Again, I think like you're just saying, it's really difficult to make work when you don't have that deadline in terms of like, you know, like an assignment, but it sounds like you're making deadlines uh, through exhibiting. So that's, that's really awesome. Thank you. And the website again, ashleymorstonstudio.com. Definitely go check it out. Follow her on Instagram. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to apply to the competition. It's been so lovely talking about your work. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed the conversation as well. Thanks once again, Ashley, for joining me. Go and check out her website, ashleymortonstudio.com, and follow her on Instagram to see the day-to-day. That's Ashes in the Storm on Instagram. And once again, her exhibition at Hoba House will be up in March, so be sure to check out her Instagram to stay up-to-date with the day-to-day. I want to note once again that Ashley was selected as one of our 2020 student competition winners by our juror, Tim Kowalczyk. And if you are currently enrolled in an art school and are an undergraduate or graduate student pursuing your degree, be sure and follow Studio Break. We'll have a new competition this spring, so stay tuned for that. I do want to encourage listeners once again to go ahead and check out studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of interviews up there with all sorts of images and links. You can subscribe to the podcast once again, so be sure and do that. You can share it and earn some karma points, so we always appreciate that. And especially if you're on social media, always easy to give it a share on Facebook, so be sure to like our page there and share. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course, on Instagram, be sure to follow at Studio underscore Break. Music for today is Remedial Indie Band, which consists of Ben Cohan, Brett Beery, and myself. A side product of the pandemic is making music, so we are sharing that. And if you want to check out some of Ben's paintings, that's M. Ben Cohan Studio on Instagram. You'll find a link to his website. You can also check out Brett Beery's album at Brett Beery on Instagram. 
You can always check out my work as well at davidlinaway.com and be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at David Linaway. It's always great hearing from artists on Instagram and listeners, so be sure to say hello if you enjoy the podcast. And that's a wrap. Hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Hope that you're staying warm in your studio, making lots and lots of work, staying productive, staying safe. We'll talk to you real soon.